On this edition of the program, we bring you not one, but two perspectives digging through all the sights, sounds, and numbers of the New Hampshire primary, Kate Martell of the Hill, and our pal Michael Cohen, the man who wrote the book on the modern political campaign. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Bow Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, V, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics program for January 26th, 2024, New Hampshire in the books. I'm back in Austin, Texas, off the road, I think out of the snow for this cycle. Don't think it's going to be snowing in uh, Vegas. Don't think it's going to be snowing in Columbia, South Carolina. That is, if there is a Columbia, South Carolina by the time that we get to it. Obviously, a lot to unpack from this New Hampshire primary, but I I just got to say before we get started, I put out my immediate results and I don't think a lot has changed since then. If anything, we've already seen the tick, 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 tick of the clock for Nikki Haley. Reed Hoffman, one of her biggest donors, reportedly, according to CNBC, saying that he will pause donations. It's like I always say, when it comes to this time of year, every day is a week, every week is a month, and every month is a year. And we've got about a month between now and when the South Carolina primary is going to happen. But let's dig into what actually happened on Tuesday. To do that, we're going to bring you two voices. Here's the first, Kate Martell of The Hill. She was up there in the Granite State to cover everything. Let's take a listen. Live and direct from the uh, campaign trail in New Hampshire is Kate Martell of The Hill. Thank you so much for joining us, Kate. Thanks so much for having me. So now that we're a few days out and all the numbers are settled, uh, what surprised you about what happened in New Hampshire? An easy answer. The the hugest surprise that I saw from New Hampshire primary is how many independent voters turned out for Nikki Haley. You know, there's a CNN exit poll that showed that three quarters of registered Republicans voted for former President Trump and two thirds of independent voters voted for Haley. That you know tells me everything that I need to know about the rest of the nominating contests and the general election. It both shows me why Nikki Haley is having such a hard time polling as high as she could be in the in the primary because Republicans really like Trump. But also Trump has this major problem with independent voters. And that's, I think, why he would have a really hard time in the general election. So I think that that shows you everything that you need to know of why President Trump is doing so well in the primaries and why he might have more trouble in the, in the general election in November, assuming he becomes the GOP nominee. 
I do wonder, though, when when it comes to those undeclareds that voted in New Hampshire, they still wanted to engage in the Republican primary. So obviously voting against Donald Trump is something that they might be really, really interested in, but they might also be looking for an alternative to Joe Biden. And if that's the case, then the question is not in New Hampshire, obviously, which has leaned ever more bluer, but especially in Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, maybe the 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 independents are looking for an option. The question will be for Trump how much he can uh, make them settle for him. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been covering a lot of Nikki Haley events in the past week, and I've been talking to a lot of voters. You know, I, I was looking to try to talk to, you know, equal numbers of independents and Republicans to the Nikki Haley events. I was having a hard time finding re- registered Republicans. Almost <laughs> nearly everybody I talked to was an undeclared voter um, or independent. We call them undeclared in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if this one man sticks with me. Um, he was a, a lifelong Democrat, independent voter. Um, and, you know, he, he likes President Biden. He voted for President Biden in 2020. But in his words, he, you know, Biden came in what he did what he needed to do for four years. I want something different. We're not going to have another change. So he came out to see Nikki Haley. He came in not sure if he, not sure if he would support her. Um, and he found me at the end of the event and said, you know what? I, I heard what I needed to hear. I liked what she had to say about foreign policy. And I like that she's a younger, fresher face that, you know, that, that, that they want new leadership. So he came out of that event and Nikki Haley supporter. I saw a couple of the Haley events in in New Hampshire, and I was kind of surprised that she didn't lead a more forceful charge to say we are going to pull this upset off on Tuesday. Uh, She even toward the end, her campaign was lowering expectations for what's going to happen. As somebody who watches a lot of these, did it surprise you that she wasn't more? This is the line in the sand. We're going to shock the world on Tuesday. Yes. And yes, I absolutely agree with that. You know, in fact, it even took her until a few days before the primary, before she really opened up and started going after her rival, President Trump. Um, you know, beforehand, she had been saying, you know, I voted for Trump both times, but now I want something different. Um, but she wasn't forceful in going after her rival. And it only took her, she only came out of her shell, I think, a few days before the primary, um, where she was, you know, really comparing herself and showing the differences and, you know, being more forceful. She has a powerful endorsement in New Hampshire with the, New, the state yeah. popular governor, Chris Sununu. Um, and, you know, they came out with, with I, I would argue, even too positive of a message that, um, you know, they weren't willing to attack Trump in the way that I think been required. And, you know, in the, in the final few days, I saw her come out of her shell and I kept thinking to myself, had she done this six <laughs> months earlier, this might have been a slightly different race because, you know, having been to all of these Haley events and talking to all these supporters, m- mostly these supporters, you'd ask them why they're here for Nikki Haley. Almost everyone I talked to, the first response that they had is because of Trump. Trump is, you know, yeah. it was the reason that is motivating all of these Nikki Haley supporters. And I think they were looking for more of this contrast. And a lot of Republicans early on in the primary weren't willing to go after him and what was necessary to show this contrast. And I think we're sitting probably too passively, you know, in the, in the back seat, hoping that they would have their moment. And in, in the process, I think that they probably really hurt themselves. And Nikki Haley ended up just at the very end, starting to make the arguments that I think were resonating with New Hampshire voters. 
Yeah, I mean, there, there, there seems to be this uh, uh, three little bears problem when it comes to criticizing Trump. Chris Christie <laughs> was very obviously too hot. Uh, Ron DeSantis was too weak, but being Trump without, you know, the, the baggage of Trump. Nikki Haley found herself being just right. But in terms of her message, it was the mushy middle. Yes, it was. I think that's a really good way to, to put it, um, that. You know, Chris Christie in particular, he was where the support went for people that were very anti-Trump, but still wanted to stay Republican. That's where they felt the most comfortable because his whole MO, the whole point of his campaign was to prevent President Trump from serving another term. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of voters wanted to think past that. So, you know, if you were truly voting as, as a Republican who really wanted you know, changes of what's happening now, you'd probably be motivated by more issues than just preventing Trump to, from being in office. So, you know, he was kind of this extreme. And, you know, once he dropped out, a lot of that support went to Nikki Haley because there is this big overlap, um, you know, where she was probably the next best thing, but she didn't quite go far enough um, until I, I think at the very end, I noticed a very different Nikki Haley on you know the night before the primary than I did even a week before the primary that um, she was much more forceful and you know I, I think when when Republicans were watching the debates early on and were seeing all of these candidates on stage there weren't that many contrasts between the candidates and I think that's why nobody really broke through um, until now we've eliminated every rival except Haley and now I think she's it's probably a little bit too late for her. Nikki Haley decided to not do two debates that were scheduled by two different networks leading up to New Hampshire. That's a lot of really, really good television time that people, even if the ratings are declining, people still really tune into. Now that we know she loses by anywhere between 11 and 12 points, do you think playing conservative with that was a mistake? Yes, I think that was a huge mistake on her part that, like you pointed out, she missed out on a lot of good airtime. And, you know, I'm from New Hampshire originally, and New Hampshire voters take the primary very seriously. They take their status mm -hmm. very seriously that they, you know, the running joke is people don't decide who they're running, who they're voting for until they've met all the candidates and asked them all individual questions, which is absolutely possible in this state. And by pulling out of both debates, a lot of people I was talking to seemed pretty annoyed by that, that, you know, they wanted the closing arguments in the state. And, um, you know, New Hampshire voters do not like to be compared to Iowa voters. And the fact that the last debate that happened was in Iowa, they were New Hampshire voters were waiting for their shot. And I talked to a lot of people, it left a bad taste in their mouth that she pulled out of both. You know, you could argue that two debates within three days seem fairly aggressive that maybe she didn't yeah. want to <laughs> do both. But at the very least, one of them was hosted, co-hosted by WMUR, the state's um, local news affiliate mm -hmm. that, you know, has is a big play in the state. Um, I will argue, though, that because, you know, President Trump wasn't going to participate in these debates, that she was looking at how low Ron DeSantis was polling and she didn't have her best debate performance in Iowa and, you know, thought that it might have been a little bit of a risk that Ron DeSantis had one of his strongest debate performances right before the Iowa caucuses. And if she had a, a mistake or a gaffe that she thought that it wasn't necessarily going to help Ron DeSantis, but it was going to help Trump because she figured that New Hampshire voters were looking at the stage and 
you know, watching her, not quite watching Ron DeSantis as much. He was only polling 5.7%, according to the Hill and Decision Desk HQ's polling average when he dropped out. So I think she thought she had the most to lose and Ron DeSantis had the most to gain. So she did make that calculation. You can argue both ways whether that was a good or bad decision. But I ultimately think from talking to New Hampshire voters on the ground that it was a bit, it was a bad mistake for her. It was also seemingly playing scared, which I think was my biggest criticism with her campaign. All right, you are on deadline, so we're going to get you out on this yes or no question. Do you believe that Nikki Haley makes it to the South Carolina primary because the polling isn't good there and we've already heard some bad news about her fundraising? I, you know, I do think she sticks it out because it's her home state, but like you said, it's an expensive race for her. And, um, you know, I think if donors pull out that it might, might really hurt her that she might not make it. But my guess for your yes or no is I think, yes, she makes it to South Carolina. And after that, she likely drops out unless she has some major upset. Kate Martell from The Hill. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. A reminder, friends, when I'm in these press pens, when I'm going shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with the rest of the assembled reporters, while many of us went to the same schools (laughs) and probably know the same people, uh, the one thing that's different is that they have a company credit card. Or at least the company credit card that somebody else pays for. I do it myself because I'm that dumb. (laughs) I'm that stupid. I didn't go to the class that apparently all of them went to at the same schools that said, hey, don't put your own money into this. Find somebody else that'll pay you cash to do it. I do it myself, but but really I do it because of you guys. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. It matters a lot. Uh, I can't do it without you. Quite simply. But if you want to support us, you head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. You sign up at the $3 level. You get two bonus episodes each and every week. And over the last two weeks, boy, they were big deals. They were the raw sounds of the campaign trail. And... We've gotten great feedback on it. So uh, thank you to everybody who supported us. Thank you to everybody who's joined in the last few weeks. I know there's going to be a lot of folks who are going to really, really, really want those two bonus episodes each and every week because the news is about to move faster and faster and faster. And the bonus episodes are sometimes where you get the news that you want to hear about. So Invest in yourself. Invest in your own understanding of this race. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Let's get to some of the news that isn't about New Hampshire. The U.S. under President Joe Biden's direction conducted retaliatory airstrikes against facilities in Iraq using Iranian-backed militias, specifically targeting the Khatib Hezbollah group. This action is a response to escalating attacks against the U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq and Syria. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin described these strikes as necessary and appropriate, focusing on the group's headquarters, storage, and training facilities related to rocket, missile, and unmanned aerial vehicle capabilities. These airstrikes are executed following incidents like the attack on the Al-Assad airbase in western Iraq, which resulted in traumatic brain injuries to four American personnel. In addition to these strikes in Iraq, U.S. CENTCOM 
reported that Houthi anti-ship missiles in Yemen. These missiles positioned to launch into the Southern Red Sea are deemed a threat to merchant and commercial vessels in the region. The U.S. forces struck and destroyed the missiles as a measure of self-defense. These actions by the U.S. are significant as they indicate the Biden administration's efforts to prevent spillover of regional conflicts, such as the ongoing war with Israel following the October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks. Despite these efforts, Axios' Barack Ravid highlights the increasing difficulty in containing these conflicts within specific areas as time progresses. One of the things that I heard a lot on the campaign trail in New Hampshire is the growing truism that if you look at Nikki Haley, Joe Biden, and Donald Trump, only one of them has the sentiment that they will not start a war. Joe Biden is currently embroiled in multiple conflicts that the United States is either directly or indirectly involved in, most notably in the Middle East and in Ukraine. Nikki Haley has a reputation as being somebody that would, through muscular foreign intervention, send your children to war. That is something that I heard a lot. Whether or not she would consider that Correct. I don't feel like there is a tremendous trust that America has in the Biden administration to resolve any of these conflicts quickly. And while I don't believe that we're in a 1968 LBJ in Vietnam situation, I do wonder... If we're still involved in a Middle Eastern conflict, if Ukraine continues to fight against Russia, will that drag on the presidential ticket? Will it drag on Biden? It seems very clear that the Biden administration is very sure that progressives are going to suck it up and vote for him. They don't seem particularly particularly interested in reacting to the very progressive push for a ceasefire in Gaza. And that's tricky for a million different reasons, so I can understand why. But is Joe Biden the war candidate? Something that hurts him. We will have to wait and see. In the meantime, it does not appear that uh, this is going to end Anytime soon. Any of these things are going to end anytime soon. Jeff DeWitt. This is a crazy story. A crazy story. We're going to talk about it a little bit at the end of the uh, of the Michael Cohen interview that, that, that you're about to hear. But this is a nuts story. Jeff DeWitt, the chair of the Arizona Republican Party, announced his resignation following the release of an audio recording that suggested he attempted to persuade Senate candidate Carrie Lake to not run in 2024 in exchange for a job or money at the behest of people, quote unquote, back east. The audio reported by the Daily Mail captures DeWitt in a conversation with Lake discussing those powerful figures who supposedly want to keep her out of the Senate race that she is currently in. During the conversation, DeWitt seems to suggest a pause in Lake's political aspirations, with Lake interrupts and interprets as a bribe. 
Lake is, of course, a controversial figure, but DeWitt defended himself in a statement today, as I record this Wednesday, claiming that the recording is selectively edited, that the conversation was a transparent discussion for a potential role for Lake at his personal company and not a bribe. DeWitt's resignation, according to him, came after he said Lake's team threatened him, warning that they would release more damaging recordings. DeWitt said, I don't know what those recordings would be, but considering I've had a lot of conversations with Carrie Lake, I'm going to resign anyway. The Lake campaign has denied these allegations, stating that the tape speaks for itself and condemns DeWitt's unethical behavior. DeWitt served as the Arizona GOP chair since January 2023 and had previously been involved in Trump's presidential campaigns. He was the COO of Trump 2020, for the record. Lake, meanwhile, continues her contentious political journey, having lost the 2022 gubernatorial race and facing criticism for her stance on election fraud. The Arizona GOP has not yet commented on DeWitt's resignation or the surrounding controversies. You gotta hear this audio. Go out of your way and hear this audio. It's it's wild. We're going to talk about it more with Michael Cohen. So uh, I'll save the rest of my commentary there. Finally, the United Auto Workers officially endorsed President Joe Biden for for re-election, a decision announced by UAW President Sean Fain. This endorsement comes after a period of hesitation, despite the Biden administration's significant support for the union's agenda. Fain emphasized Biden's commitment to the American worker, contrasting it with former President Donald Trump's approach, who he criticized for blaming American workers. The endorsement was revealed shortly before Biden's scheduled appearance following the New Hampshire primary, which indicated a likely rematch against Trump in the general election. Biden's active support for the UAW demonstrated by his participation in a UAW picket line during a strike against Detroit automakers played a role in his decision. However, the union initially delayed its endorsement due to concerns over Biden's electric vehicle policies and their impact on union jobs. The UAW's eventual endorsement of Biden was not guaranteed as the union sought assurances on various issues, including retirement security and a fair transition to electric vehicles. The decision to endorse was also influenced by the union's dissatisfaction with Trump, who they felt did not represent working class interests. The stance contrasts with the Teamsters Union, which has not yet endorsed a presidential candidate and has engagements scheduled with both Trump and Biden. UAW's endorsement reflects a broader concern for the struggles of working class people as expressed by Fain, the leader. He heightened the challenges faced by unions and the importance of their role in society. This is interesting. Because there was no question that UAW was going to endorse Joe Biden. That's not really the the thing that we should worry about. UAW donates to Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been tied in with UAW for a very long time. But there is, amongst our hot union summer last year, especially when it comes to middle-class jobs in Michigan, Pennsylvania, that quite possibly the modern Democratic Party does not speak to the rank and file of these unions. 
Now, how will that play out? We'll see. But I wonder going forward if Joe Biden, again, a diehard union guy, a UAW guy from way back, if these are always going to be slam dunks past Biden. You know, if you look at the bench, aside from Gretchen Whitmer, for the Democratic Party, if you bring a Pete Buttigieg, you bring a Kamala Harris, these guys are obviously broad union supporters, but they're not tied in with the UAW specifically in the same kind of way. We'll have to wait and see. TakePoliticsSeriously.com is where you can support this show. $3 tier gets you two bonus episodes each and every week. Let's go ahead and get into our conversation with Michael Cohen. New Hampshire is over. The obituary obituary writers are working overtime on Nikki Haley's campaign. Not that Nikki Haley is reading them as she has vowed to carry on. So we got to go to our man, Michael Cohen, the man who wrote the book on modern political campaigns. How you doing, Michael? Good, good. Having an early night last night. Yeah, not Iowa early. early, not Iowa early, right? Where mm-hmm. where Iowa uh, was called seconds uh, uh, as the caucuses began. But I think, you know, I got back to Austin because I decided to bail on staying uh, uh, because I thought I knew what was going to happen. What and I did. pretty much did. Yeah, what you did. Uh, but by the time that I got from the airport to my house, the AP had called it. So it was 712, 12 minutes after final polls closed, the AP called the race. Uh, and as I am looking at it now during our recording session, this is on Wednesday. Uh, it is 93% counted and a 11 point and change lead for right. Donald Trump. Uh, so let's start here. Uh, uh, surprises. Um, <clears throat> not too many. I mean, I, I think the way we look at this is okay. You know, it's an expectations game, right? Because we, yeah, you know, we we have basically two. We're two states in, and we're trying to figure out if there's any pathway for a challenger to Trump. So for Haley, she got both good and bad news, which is basically the story of her entire campaign. The good news was she outperformed the polls, which had her down 19 going into last, yeah. last night, right? Yeah. But she loses by a little bit over 11, right? So that's the good news. Yeah. That's somehow the good news. But the bad news is that she still <laughs> lost, right? You know, yeah. She, she was supposed to come in second in Iowa, came in third, went to Nor- um, New Hampshire, was riding it and said, okay, well, after Iowa, we're going to go in and win New Hampshire. Then it became, well, maybe we'll come close. Well, maybe it will be within five. And then during the um, <laughs> during the evening, maybe it'll be within seven. An unnamed staffer said to a reporter who's probably has no job this morning. And yeah. Then it, and then Trump comes on when he's up 14. It settles in at 11. But the whole thing goes off the rails. So the, the surprise is, is that Haley is both in is in this terrible netherworld when you're a candidate. She's neither should leave completely like she wasn't totally blown away where she should be out, but she doesn't really have a path forward and certainly no momentum. So 
she's in this in between where she has to decide whether or not she wants to get embarrassed in her home state. You know, th- there's a, there's phases. No. There, there's phases to campaigns, right? Then, and especially political, big presidential uh, uh, campaigns where we spent about a year talking about promise. And you can cherry pick polls and you can show strong fundraising and then you can do an event where more people show up and promise is the coin of the realm. Oh, my God. Well, look at this. And and you can write your your amazing pathway to where you're going to go. But we're past that now. Yeah. We're not yeah. in the land of promise. We're in the land of win or go home. This is not the regular season. This is not the preseason. Yeah. This is the playoffs. And. and what what blows me away about the Haley strategy now, and I got to wonder how long it's going to last, because you can lie to yourself. You can lie to your team. Your team can lie to you. You can lie to your voters, but and, and, and your base. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to get on a phone call with people who are writing these checks. And these checks are about to get a lot bigger. You know, because because past South Carolina, now we're dealing with multiple states per day. Super Tuesday's coming up. That's like 10 states that you have to deal with. And it's the yeah. most expensive media markets that we have. Uh, so you need to do that. And those checks are going to be exponentially larger than they are now. And you got to convince some rich people to say, yeah, I want to write that gigantic check. Yeah. And, and if they come away not pleased, then this is kind of over, right? It is. Um, I mean, the upside is that, as Haley has told us, basically every speech she's ever given, she's an accountant. So she's she knows where the money is. Right. Well, so yeah. she theoretically has enough money to go into South Carolina and she keeps talking about going into Super Tuesday. But I mean, the fact of the matter is she's going to start bleeding people who are going to have to knock on doors. You know, even if she has enough money the the real energy has come out of the campaign. I mean, if you look back at Haley's campaign now is just an early postmortem. She's not Barack Obama. She didn't take nope. off in, in Iowa. She's not John McCain. She didn't win in New Hampshire. Um, and now she's rolling into South Carolina thinking that she might be Biden, but she's not because she's not because people who run for office for particularly for president in South Carolina, you need the institutions behind you and Trump has them. And yes. so, you know, she's not, you know, a wow. She's not an insurgent and she's not a maverick. I mean, she, what is Nikki Haley at this point? I mean, the, the real question I have left is who is Nikki Haley? I don't think Nikki Haley knows what kind of a candidate she is anymore other than one who doesn't want to give up to Trump. And I think that well, there's she's something not laudable Trump. there. Right. There's something laudable there that she doesn't want to give up to Donald Trump at this point. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, I mean, you know, accountants are pretty clear eyed. And, you know, she's talked about how her campaign's not about emotion. But at this point, you have to say to yourself, where's the path? What else? What else do you need to see? Because right. I think yeah. we agreed and you've yeah. been on this show. We've talked right. privately that the one to one. The, the, yeah. The the pathway was the revenge of John McCain 2000. Right. That you you shock the world in New Hampshire and then you do what John McCain couldn't because you were the governor yeah. and you win in, in South Carolina as opposed to losing like McCain did to W. Bush back in that election. Right. But it didn't happen. And and this was, you yeah. know, a. Uh, 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 people have listened to me, at least the, the, the patrons of this podcast, but I called you and yeah. was texting you 
Yeah, we're talking after I time. left the first yeah. Nikki Haley rally. And I'm especially now looking at this. She's 11 points down. Uh, it's malpractice to not be be running a campaign that is acting like you're going to shock the world. I, I don't understand the instinct to expectation manage when this is it. This is the, like, like, yeah. at, at a certain point you have to win. At a certain point, you have to beat Donald Trump. And yeah. that was your best shot. And and for her to say, eh, you know, you got to make sure in the general election that you think. No, we're going to shock wow. the world. We're going to do it. We're going to do what nobody else could do. Eleven people tried. They all failed. I'm going to do it. You know it. I know it. Let's go to the poll on Tuesdays. There was more of a base here than what the polling showed. New Hampshire wanted to do something. And every single I saw two events of hers in, in New Hampshire. Both of them had three fourths of people that were listening to her for the first time. She had yeah. her do that. She had him do the hand raise thing. And I don't think that those people left jazzed. No, they know what they know what a Maverick looks like. Um, they know what a Maverick sounds like. They have voted for Mavericks. Right. Yes. And so, you know, when Nikki Haley walks in with her, you know, I'm an accountant stick. I mean, that the the, the least Mavericky people you've ever met. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, when you and I were talking about this and you said to me, you know, she didn't really light the place on fire. I'm like, damn, she's done. You know, Toast. and you know, we knew it was going to be a bad time. I mean, I, I think the high point of Nikki Haley's um, campaign, if you're looking back at it, when she slacked Vivek, you know, and, and really ended him. Um, but then she had this moment where she had a one-on-one -on -one with DeSantis in Iowa, you know, and she did not perform well. She did not win that debate. And I know that there's plenty of people, who, um, you know, who are Nikki Haley partisans. I mean, you know, I've got the bumper sticker and the, bu and yeah. the button, yeah. um, you know, who wanted to believe that she won that debate. And I'm sure if you scored it on points, maybe she won a couple, but you don't win those things on points. You got to pummel your, your opponent and have them walking out just dazed and confused. And, you know, Ron DeSantis, who, left the, the campaign not long after, was not dazed and confused after got that, that base stage. He's looking at her and going, yeah, she's next. <laughs> you know, And basically that's what happened. Chris Christie knew she was going to get a quote unquote smoke. Smoked. Right? Smoked. He, if there's one thing Christie is great at is understanding his opponents. And he looked at her and he said, she's not going to win. And he's right. And I think that is something that Christie knew that he's like, all right, you want to know what? If I can get within 10 points of Trump in New right. Hampshire, then I can game. do that. Chris Christie can do that. He can go out right. and barnstorm and hit every little place and fire everybody up, have them jumping up and down, screaming, believing yep. that they're going to shock the world, that New Hampshire belongs on the map at a time when New Hampshire's place in our electoral Nomination process is more tenuous than ever since we had a fake Democratic primary that that Joe Biden won via write in because he had uh, eliminated it from the calendar uh, yeah. that, that Chris Christie believed he could do it. And I, I want to formally apologize to Chris Christie because I, I, I underestimated his ability to read at least the room. I hope he gets back on television. I hope he starts a podcast immediately because I do think he is a very astute of, of mind, at least when it comes to it, because when he said on a hot mic during his uh, uh, during his speech, he said that she was going to get smoked. He was right. Absolutely right. She killed him on an on a hot mic. 
I mean, I, I'm yeah. sorry. He killed her on a hot mic. Yeah, on a hot and, mic. And, and, on a hot mic. Yeah. I mean, it just totally revealed everything you needed to know about the campaign. And, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, we are now in a situation where you have to say to yourself, okay, what does Nikki Haley really want at this point? Um, yeah. You know, if she wants to be president of the United States, she needs to get out and endorse and just go away and hope that Trump forgives her over time or something. Um, that's slim and none. And to be honest with you, Nikki Haley, um, what she would really want if you were to put her in an MRI and, you know, reveal her soul, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, would say, hey, look, I want this guy to lose so badly. I mean, this is the never Trump playbook, right? Yeah, this guy needs to lose so badly, either to somebody in the party or someone, you know, a Democrat that everyone recognizes, even Trump partisans that, oh, man, we can't win this way. And the fact of the matter is the Trump people aren't there yet. They want their guy. They want another shot. They see a very weak incumbent. And that's what Trump yeah. said last night. Anybody could beat this guy. That's his argument. You know, yeah. you might as well have me. Because anybody's going to be able to beat this guy. You don't need a Nikki Haley. You can have me, the guy you actually want, because this guy who's the incumbent is so beatable. And so that's a that's a fairly cohesive argument for a guy who doesn't really, you know, make money on cohesiveness. I, I have been shocked at how efficient, smart and brutal the Trump 2024 campaign has been his 2016 campaign was a rambling wreck that, you know, they, they were like that baseball team that just gets hot yeah. at, at the right team. And it's like, they get all the bounces and you know, they're the, you know, the other team's Bouncing best player gets hurt. You get Patrick Ewing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. that's, yeah. that's that 2022 bloated money incinerator. They, uh, mm -hmm. they, you know, they, they convinced themselves that they should rent arenas for every political event because they could get phone numbers. And then shocker, they ran out of money by June when they didn't have to run events because of COVID that, that right. that's insane that you didn't actually have to run a campaign and you still ran out of money by July. Uh, but, insane, but this but one is on brand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was on brand yeah, because yeah, it's him, yeah. but right. But, but this but in, campaign, but not professional. Yeah. What this campaign has realized is number one, they're smart messaging wise. You know, uh, Chris yeah. Lasavita was taking his victory lap yesterday in, in all the, the political press. And he's like, you want to know what? We killed Nikki Haley because we hit her on both sides. We hit the two ads were mm -hmm. she's weak on the border and she's going to take away your social security. That's a position that very smart people can realize only Trump can take. Right. Because that's the advantage of Donald Trump is that he's not ideologically pinned down to mm -hmm. one side. So he can say, don't worry, old people, we will give you your money forever. I'll I'll make the math work. I'm a deal guy. But who cares? Right. He's not yeah. Paul Ryan. He's not looking for entitlement reform. Uh, no, and he's also care. I'm brutal. I am a uh, 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 Pat Buchanan calls me and says, don't be so mean to the border. Like that's how strong I am on the border. Uh, uh, and, right. and nobody else can do that. They took advantage of it in a very traditional and very efficient way that dismantled a candidate that was running against him on. Wouldn't it be nice if, if you could like your president Trump versus yeah. Biden's going to be right. really bad. And it's like, that's not, a thing that's not that's a that's a thing you say to your friend that's not a reason to go vote it's not a reason to leave your house it's it's not a message and, and you know it's a going, take it's a podcast yeah, it, take 
It is. It is. And it's, it's kind of a mediocre take, right? Yes. Yeah. It's boring. Yeah. It it is boring. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an account. You're an accountant, not a leader. Right. Yeah. I mean, exactly what DeSantis did to her on that debate. Um, I, I guess, you know, if you are Trump, there are some warning signs, right? And so you look at what the exit polls are over in, um, New Hampshire. I mean, the good part, you won a double digit victory. That's excellent. Yep. You won 80% of Republicans. That's important. Um, you actually did better with younger voters than older yep. voters, which is, yep. you know, you're asking about a surprise. That was fairly shocking. Um, and he still maintains a 55% lead over Nikki Haley. So, you know, that's great, right? The tough parts are he lost 60% of independence, self-styled independence, right? Um, he lost 56% of college graduates, which isn't exactly terrible for him. That's actually within ranges, 66% of first time voters. Right. Um, but then again, when you look at the general election, how many first time voters are there to come in and are they, you know, and then, uh, lost narrowly only lost narrowly women with children. So he was all, all the talk last time around was how women, suburban women were going to you know, blast him. Well, narrowly losing women with children is actually a good sign for That's him. Very good for him. Yeah. Especially with, you know, a, with a woman on the ballot. Yeah. Right. Who, by the way, said, you know, it's a fella and a lady, you know, so she leaned into she it. She was leaning. She yeah, was she, leaning at Cheryl I mean, Sandberg style. She was leaning in. Yeah. But with like 1950s terminology, the last <laughs> time I heard someone being called a fella or a lady, she I mean, really, somewhere. I, I don't understand I, it. I mean, can you be any more traditional Republican? You know, I mean, I just couldn't understand where that came from. I mean, the words I, you I, use really matter. I don't know. Nobody calls each other like that these days. I don't know who she's doing because she's been using the fella thing for a while. Like it's guys and dolls, but it doesn't activate Republicans. It doesn't activate the independents that you really want. You know, she's not speaking in code to other moms. That's not how moms at at the soccer practice talked with the talk with each other. It's it's how a gangster talks to each other. Yeah, I'm married to a mom. You know, she doesn't consider herself a lady and she doesn't consider me a fella. So I, I, yeah. don't, <laughs> I, I don't know who does that. It's just so weird. And like, you know, if you're trying to be approachable and, you know, the mom next door, the normie, I mean, normies don't talk like that. And so it sort of exposes, you know, this kind of like a little bit of artifice about her, which is like, OK, she's she's written that down and it looks really good on paper, but it sounds terrible out of your mouth. The yeah. biggest thing rhetorically that I think she's fallen into a big problem with, and I think it was exposed during that DeSantis one-on-one debate, yeah. is that she's chasing this idea of you lie. She she repeated a million times DeSantisLies.com or RonLies.com. I forget what the URL was, but it was yeah. like every time it's already gone. this is the time, yeah. this is the time yeah. for you to explain it. This is the time for you to explain why he is lying instead of just rushing to, to get you, not just exactly. matters to me. Him lying about me matters to me. Him lying about things I care about and you, that actually matters. Like this, it was very inside baseball-ish, you know, like, and, and, and like, who cares? I don't, she, Nikki, I'm sorry. Your feelings are actually hurt. Like, you know, she felt 
the piece of emotion she showed was when someone lied about her. Well, well also okay. it's like she on, on the stage matter. last night, yeah. on the stage last night, she goes, I can't wait to get to South Carolina because South Carolina knows me. They know I never raised the gas tax. And it's like, this is not no, the problem. Don't. The they problem, the, yeah. well, whether or not they do, the problem yeah. isn't whether or not you raise the gas tax because nobody actually knows. Nobody's going to look it up. And even if the, the fact checkers uh, 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 put up a thing, no one's really going to care. What the issue is, is that you seem like the kind of person that would say one thing and do another because you have said a lot of things and then did another. So it's you are highlighting a thing that has a modern peg to it. That's the issue. Right. Because if you were never Trump, you'd be saying things like, no, I'm not going to vote for a guy who's going to be a felon, a convicted felon. No, I'm not going to go and pardon a guy who's going to jail. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're going to be never Trump Nikki Haley, you got to actually say the thing. And if you don't and you're just trying to wink and nod and say, well, you know, chaos somehow follows this guy like he's a chaos magnet or something <laughs> like that's a thing. And no, no. You either create chaos or you are chaos and yeah. he, he is chaos. And so he doesn't really mind that he's chaos. In fact, he told Doug Burnham in, in Iowa, you know, yeah, you ran a good campaign, but you weren't really all that controversial. And frankly, he's a little bit, that's pretty good, you know? And so he understands that chaos yeah. is good. And, you know, for him, you know, it doesn't work for a Nikki Haley, but you can't complain about chaos around a person when you're not willing to say, this is why chaos is bad for you. This is why lies are bad for you. This is why Donald Trump is bad for you. Not just that he's old. We all know he's old and it's kind of quippy, but a person being old doesn't work. I mean, just saying that we don't need Republican chaos versus Democrat chaos. Well, yeah, but chaos is metaphysical, right? It doesn't yeah. matter to a person. And it certainly doesn't matter to voters who are, you know, who are willing to come over in New Hampshire and go out and vote. You know, and it's not going to matter in South Carolina. It's not going to matter in Nevada. It's not going to matter on Super Tuesday. So we're just basically in the end game now. And um, Haley has got to figure out at some point that she's an accountant and this is not her her um, her hill of beans, you know. Does she make it to South Carolina? Yes or no? I think the right answer is no. Yeah. Um, but but I think she's not there yet. You know, I think when she gets there and she she's on the ground for a couple of weeks and she realizes, damn, my polling numbers aren't moving. You know, even at that point, you, you got to you got to just pull it. Because the last thing you want to do is just to end your entire political career by losing at home. This is what happened to Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio had a job to go back to. She doesn't. Unless she wants to go back. Unless she wants to go back to Boeing. And if she wants to do those kinds of jobs, there's a world in which Nikki Haley could be extraordinarily happy and rich and not have to wake up to Donald Trump. Yeah. She has to make a decision. Does she want a political future? Does she want a future for herself and her family? And if she wants the latter, she's probably a better human being than most people who run for president. But if she (laughs) wants to run for president again, then she's got to pull out because losing her home state is a disaster. 
I don't think she makes it. And I don't think she makes it because each one of these polls that are about to come out are going to land like an anvil. Like yeah. they are, they are just going to be thudding. And when you had good polling, when you were coming into New Hampshire and you were saying, yeah. okay, Christie's out. Here's a poll that has us tied. Here's a poll that has me within 40, 5%. Here's, yep. here's how we, here's how we do it. And you can gas yourself up on stuff like that. And I think a lot of people, including me and you were like, Hey, this could actually be a shot. It'll still be an uphill <laughs> battle, but you'll at least buy yourself a ticket to the dance. If you can get New Hampshire and get South Carolina, she's down like 40 in South Carolina. Like this is not, we're not even in the realm beyond like science fiction for her to come back unless there's a major change in this race. And guess what? She's not the people that does the major change. And the Trump campaign is not the Trump campaign of old. That'll just make news. Like we saw something that I think should be very, very uh, uh, worrisome for not only Nikki Haley, but also Biden going forward. Trump's good with bringing the henchmen now, like he brought Vivek up uh, uh, and and was just like, oh, you know, he was more mad about Nikki Haley than me. Hey, Vivek, come do five minutes on how Nikki Haley is one an minute. absolute fraud. One fake. minute. One minute. And he just yeah. came up, just ethers her, just says the things that Trump used to say. And that used to be the thing that you could clip if you were the opposition and say what unhinged spittle flying nonsense. But now he's got goons. He's got goons that he's comfortable delegating to. And now the worst situation that Biden could be in is magnanimous. I, I want everybody. I'm softer on abortion than than you want to make me out to be Trump. And if he's comfortable, like that was the always thing is that Trump wasn't going to be comfortable giving anyone else a spotlight. He seems more into it, at least for for that kind of stuff. And if that's the case, that's that's bad. That's bad for people that want to run against him. Yeah. First of all, I think he just likes Vivek because Vivek's crazier than he is. Um, and, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, he don't forget everything that Trump does is within the realm of WWE. Right. Yes. And so mm -hmm. this Hall of Fame is hype guys. There's, there's guys who come in and their entire job is to hype up the crowd. He gets it. He's the yeah. goon, but he's got a hype guy. And so he's yeah. cool with it. Like he doesn't mind being the goon. You know, he just minds not being being a goon by himself. And so the yeah. idea that he's up there and he has a squadron of people behind him, um, you know, that that was a good stagecraft. You know, one of the one of it the was. small things about one of the small things about the Trump campaign that they've actually kind of nailed is the stagecraft of the night of. OK, yeah, you you see this. It feels big. It feels impressive. There's a whole bunch of he's got a squad. Nikki Haley goes up There's a whole bunch of her logos in the background and she's the only one there. Yeah, not a great look. It's the I'm very lonely and I'm going home soon campaign. Um, but, you know, like Christy said, I mean, look, she may not have gotten smoked in um, New Hampshire. I mean, she lost. But when she but when you're looking at 30 and 40 point leads, um, that's a smoke show. And unless she wants to get smoked out of, of politics, she's got to get out. Um, you know, and if she doesn't want to, that's cool. Like if she wants to go down fighting and be able to say to a corporate board, hey, look, I fought him for as long as I possibly could. I even fell on the sword and went in my home state. You know, I'm looking at my new life now and think 
it's pretty good, you know. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, pretty good, right? You know, I'm gonna buy so, a boat. I'm gonna buy a boat and read a bunch of books this summer. That's that 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 could be the I'm life gonna, of Nikki Haley. I'm gonna go travel, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna go see the world. There I'm we go. go. I'm actually gonna go and enjoy my life as opposed to not enjoy my life because I have to go and deal with this mouthpiece, you know. And guys like Vivek who can't wait to dance dunk on me. So I think that's where we are, you know, and, you know, again, to your point, Trump's run a good campaign. The stagecraft is good. The on the ground is very good. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I mean, Nikki Haley, you know, she just doesn't have it. Where does this leave never Trump? Because it kind of feels like at this point, it's kind of a broken coalition. Either you're going to vote for Biden or you're going to sit out. And then at this point, in all likelihood, this will be Trump's last race. So Trump will be gone and we're just going to be in the aftermath past that. Uh, although the America first movement and the MAGA crowd coalition will certainly live on. Uh, but but it kind of feels like the never Trump movement that began back in in early 2016 is this. This was kind of the last ride and, and uh, the lights yeah. are, are getting turned out. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, yeah, this is the last never Trump bumper sticker that I'll buy. Um, I think when we end up with is, um, you know, Biden Republicans, I mean, you end up with Republicans who are going to go over and occasionally vote Democrat because they can't stomach MAGA or they can't stomach um, Trump. Right. And so where you end up, let's say four years from now is who inherits the Trump mantle. Right. Yeah. And I can't imagine in the least Stefanic presidency. I mean, I can imagine a vice presidency, but you know, the idea that she's going to somehow light it up and, and bring the whole coalition home, it's much more likely that like a Don Jr. runs. It's much more likely that an actual Trump decides to run again for something. Or, you know, somebody who has never um, taken shots at Trump um, gets gets a pass. I mean, you know, clearly a Tim Scott is looking to pick that up. Um, mm-hmm. But as far recently as recently like, engaged, recently engaged. engaged. Yeah, that's no. that's that's a little polish, a little polish, maybe getting ready, maybe getting ready for something bigger that all of a sudden now he needs to get engaged. In four years, you could have a marriage, a kid, yep. a dog and a house. Yep. And you can actually put that together without A.I., and somehow create <laughs> a Tim Scott presidential campaign, right? With the full endorsement yeah. of, Trump of Trump because because he helped beat Haley in South Carolina or scare her off from South Carolina. Yeah. There's a chit, right? A, a minor chit, but it's there. But, um, you know, I mean, the wife doesn't – or the potential wife, you know, the metaphysical wife at this point because she wasn't on stage last night. <laughs> she wasn't. You know, we'll, see, we'll see what she wants, right? Because, you know, mm-hmm. we're all – when you're married to somebody, you know, they get a say. Happy and wife, so, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, that's right. the way to go. And, you know, she she's marrying a senator. She's not so sure she wants the MAGA, you know, the MAGA experience. So we'll see about that. Um, and we're not even sure if she wants the Tim Scott experience at this point because even though they're engaged – Sometimes engagements go away, right? You, you know, never, so you never know. If he's you not never DP, know. You never know if she's sticking around. So yeah, yeah. We we never Trump is basically over um, as an enterprise. Yeah. Because once Trump is gone, 
people will go ahead and vote for a Tim Scott who has Trump's backing. It doesn't it's not going to be a thing where you can't support a candidate who's supported by Trump. You know, so I yeah. think that that's well, not, that. not not to get yeah. not to get too far down the road. So we're talking about, yeah. uh, uh, you know, 2032 or 2028 yeah. already. But uh, yeah. normally the way if Donald Trump does win again, then it's usually a you know, a John Majors, it's a George H.W. Bush. It is somebody right. that is the competent technocrat or the competent bureaucrat that can inherit it because you don't ever want to match that in, in a lot of ways. That was part of the reason. Leg. Yeah, exactly. That was part of the reason yeah. why the Obama Hillary thing was so awkward was that it was like two very strong, very defined personalities. And they're like, cool, is seamless baton pass. No, it wasn't, no. as we found out. Yeah. Uh, all right. One of the things that you did the last time we talked that I really, really loved was uh, just the gigantic grab bag of stuff that is in in the political world, because there's a lot of political stories happening, a lot of races. It's not just the presidential race that is going to be decided in 2024. Uh, uh, so what 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 is uh, popped up on Michael Cohen's radar? Um, I mean, certainly the the race on Long Island. I mean, you know, I, I'm a, I'm from Long Island. I'm going the to Santo special. The Santos special, baby. I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, to me, the Santos special is so much fun because it's close to my home. It's close to my mm-hmm. heart. I mean, I'm going back to New York to go see the Knicks play this this year. I'm going back to see Billy Joel play. So these are my people. Okay. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, they have a decision to make. Do they want somebody who is, um, you know, a Republican or they want to, and, you know, who's better than DeSantis, who's, who's better, I'm sorry, DeSantis, <laughs> who's better yeah. than Santos, yeah. um, or do they want to just go Democrat? And they seem like they've got a, a fairly straight up race um, right now. So to me, like, that's going to be fascinating. I mean, I don't think that we're even close to where that's going to be um, because, um, you know, the former um, Republican uh, representative from there, Tom Swazi, um, who ran for governor, lost and yep. is now going to go try and get his seat back. He's trying to paint, um, you know, the the opponent as somebody who's, you know, a Trump person and, and on and on. So we'll see what the dynamic is on Long Island for. OK, well, I'll accept a, um, a Trump person, but I won't accept a Santos person. Right. And so yes. yeah. we've, I, I want to see where that goes. So I, I think that you end up looking at a house right now that's almost evenly divided. Like literally if someone drops dead, we're going to have a leadership race. Like that's yeah. where we are at this point. We, we have a one vote majority in, in the house and they can't fill that California seat fast enough with a Republican. So, you know, we're in this weird place right now where from a policy standpoint and from a politics standpoint, we're basically in stasis. There's nothing that, um, you know, Speaker Johnson can do without losing the speakership. So I think these campaigns are super interesting. All these specials are interesting to me. Um, And then when you look at the Senate races, the most interesting one to me at this point is Arizona. You know, what is um, Kirsten Cinema going to do? She's been yep. quoted in, in various places saying she wouldn't mind the Nikki Haley off ramp, you know, to go be a college president or to yep. work for Boeing or for whatever. She's, you know, she's open for business. And so I, I don't know how much she's going to want to look at, um, you know, the Gallego Chris, you know, Lake experience. Carrie Lake. Yeah. Carrie Lake. Yeah. I mean, she may just look at it and go, you know what? I'm done. You know, these, these people are idiots. We can't get anything done. I'm going to go out and make some money. Um, don't forget Kirsten Cinema's background. She doesn't come from wealth. And so making yeah. money would be, would be a significant improvement in her life. 
and it's not and it's, it's different for people who come from wealth you know they take it for granted for her she may say you know what hey i was a senator for a couple of terms great i'm going to go out and make some money and, and be a happy person and so it's possible that's the off-ramp that actually jiggers this whole race because then you've got lake gallego and that's it that's an incredibly base driven election yeah and, and who knows who's going to come out of that scrum i mean especially with the presidential ticket on top of that because right. that's going to drive insane turnout and it will certainly bring out the MAGA base for carrie lake by the way you hear that tape the carrie lake tape being offered okay. money to drop out of the race by the head of the republican party oh it's <laughs> a tape Lordy, there are tapes. Oh the, my God. No, the tape. No, no, I, it, I have not heard that. We got to put that in the show notes or something. We, oh, oh, no, no, no. Oh God. Trust me. That's we will. We, we will play it. Yeah. She was wearing oh, a wire and, and recorded no. the conversation. So she came out months ago and said that this happened. Uh, and oh of God. course, because she's Carrie Lake, people didn't take it seriously. But right. now uh, yeah. she has produced the tape and it's it's oh. DeWitt, the head, the head of the Arizona GOP, the uh, the guy who was the COO of Trump 2020 oh. uh, saying people back east uh, would uh, wanted to know what her number was uh, uh, to see whether or not she would pause just two years, just pause uh, but he's on tape saying it. It's how is he? How's he still the job? job? How's he still he the job? He won't. This broke yesterday, yeah. so oh, broke yesterday. I do okay. not. Okay. I can. Yeah. I cannot imagine. You cannot oh. be out here saying, "Hey, please carry Lake, the the favor, the apple of the eye of the the leader of the party." Uh, uh, please don't run. We'll make sure you're taken care of. Uh, uh, that's. This morning, Vivek Ramaswamy's one job is to go to Arizona and kill a dude. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, It's over. She's on on tape saying uh, uh, they're going to have to effing kill me. Like, like that's, that's, I that's mean, which is very badass. She's, well, she knows when, she's wearing the wires. She knows wire is coming out. Yeah. She yeah. knows she's wearing you the wire. Wear but, the wire when you know what you're going to release. But also, it's line. like, it's great but also, yeah. if I was wearing a wire, I'd be saying badass stuff too. I would, I would <laughs> definitely, I would, I would want all the hardcore I mean, lines. That's the t shirt. You're going to have to F and kill me. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> Nothing speaks better to, you know, Arizona, you know, a, a live free, you know, state. Yeah, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't go there to be ruled by the corporate elite. You Land go there of to Goldwater. get away yeah. from people, right? Mm-hmm. Land of Goldwater, right? Oh my God, um, Vivek's Vivek's on a plane right now. No, with a I think that guy, that guy is gonna, he's gonna be driven out of town. Like that, the Dewitt is just gonna be. That's it. He's, he's toast. Done. He's done. Because also, yeah. also, he's he's a lazy bag man for the rich people. He screwed on all levels because he wasn't even a good enough bag man to have a relationship with Carrie Lake to offer the bribe. I can't believe this is happening. Thank God there are more races other than the presidency. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Because then we get stuff like this. These are the gifts that make podcasts great, that make this podcast um, specifically great. And that make America great again. This exactly. Is fantastic. Yeah. No, yeah, we have we have we have a lot of good ones. Yeah, Casey McCormick is going to be good, and then and obviously yeah. the the ones that might actually turn the Senate though a little snoozier. 
Well, I think right? uh, the, no the, the, the no Pennsylvania one's wearing a wire. Yeah, no one's wearing a wire on that one. The, this the, the, yeah. the Pennsylvania GOP are like, you want to know what? Let's tone it down. Uh, yeah. We got very. We had Mastriano. We had Doctor Oz. We we, we tried loud. Shot. Yeah, we tried loud. Yeah. Let's try uh, uh, McCormick. He might be George W. Bush. That's 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 their pitch. Let's be very right. boring and then just hope that Trump's coattails bring us uh, uh, over and Casey hasn't run a competitive race in a while. That's that's their that's their hope. Yeah. Hope uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cohen, uh, thank you again so much. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at um, michaelcohen.us. I'm not on Twitter. I'm on threads. So you'd have to find what threads is and then find me there. Um, you sound at, so at happy Cohen. about it. No, at Michael Cohen. Look, I understand. I understand what it is. Look, if you're if you're into politics, you're probably on Twitter slash X. Yeah. I get it. I'm there too. So if you want to DM me, I'm there. You're um, I check them, yeah. I check them. Yeah, I, I check them, you know, weekly or so. But um, I stay off. I stay away from there because I, I honestly think that um that's an echo chamber that has not really been very revealing. Um, it's been a place where, you know, DeSantis got caught up, Haley got caught up, um, yeah. all the other candidates. So I, I think to a real extent, like we need to sort of dial back, you know, our social media, use social media in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think we do. And, you know, and sort of like try to start talking to real humans again um, so that we understand really what's going on. And I think, cause most real humans have, have sort of, they tried social media, hated it, or got scared off by it, or got angered by it, stepped away from it and went back. And I think it's really incumbent upon us who actually do what we do for a living, and certainly what I do for a living and as far as polling, yeah. um, to go and make sure that we are listening to voters as opposed to listening to social media. The I best mean, place to who, find me is at michaeldoncohen.us. There we you go. Find me where all the things are, and then we go with All it. those things. Yeah. Yes. No, Thank no, you, do that. Do that. How could, how could you knock a outlet for which one of the big intellectual heavyweights is cat turd too. Right. <laughs> like how, how could you, how could you do it? Yeah. Salute You're to cat turd too. You're just not gonna be able to break through. <laughs> well, I mean, look, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although that being said, X, especially now, like love it or hate it. Nothing beats the real time information when, when things are happening, nothing, nothing oh, beats oh, it I, still. I it was is still reading the, yeah. it yesterday. I just wasn't posting. <laughs> exactly. There we go. You want to know what the ironclad commandment, Never post. Never post. Never post. <laughs> never, never, never post. Never tweet. Certainly never tweet. Never tweet. Exactly. All right, Michael. Thank, thank you so you, much. Talk to you soon. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. Our show is edited by Brett Stewart. One more thank you to Kate Martell of The Hill and Michael Cohen. Our boy, our boy, Michael Cohen, not that Michael Cohen, our Michael Cohen, PX3's Michael Cohen. We love him. We're going to have him on uh, more and more throughout the election. I just like periodically, I just want to check in with him. If you would like to follow, find and share video of this show, we got video now. I'm recording video for you guys, you can do so on TikTok. It's Justin R. Young. On Instagram, it's Justin R. Young. And on YouTube, look for politics, politics, politics. I think it's youtube.com slash at sign politics, politics, politics. You want to email me? It is theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Twitter is px3tweets for the show. That's where you can get all that video on Twitter. And Justin R. Young, for me personally, you can find me live on Twitch, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, px3live.com. 
And you can share this podcast with your friends, family, and clergy. PX3podcast.com. That is, of course, letter P, letter X, number three, podcast.com. If you'd like to hit me off with a one-time donation, you just want to throw me a bunch of money. Like I'm a dancer at a gentleman's club. Just toss that green. You can do it digitally. PayPal.me slash payjury on Venmo, where money isn't real. Try it for yourself. Justin-Young-20. Cash app is PX3 Cash, and you can send me anything you'd like in the mail. Post office box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 78715. I want to thank Nicholas, Matthew, and Fallen Shroud for kicking me cash. Fallen Shroud was great, because Fallen Shroud had been all in my comments on a bunch of the videos that I've posted. When I said that Vivek was going to drop out, he said, no. Pavek's going to be in for the hall. He's going to be in. He's going to be in until Super Tuesday, he says. And then when Vivek trapped out, he kicked me some cash on PayPal and said, here's money. You got it right. And I'm annoyed with you at how right you are. And that's the great, it's, I'm an annoying person to a lot of people. People find my, uh, uh, my way of living grating. So for some, not all, but some, this is a best case scenario for me. If I can be annoying and get paid, oh Lord, we're living the American dream. Thank you very much, Fallen Shroud. Of course, there's only one way to get our bonus content, and that is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That leads you to our Patreon. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news that we miss on our free podcasting schedule and our Titanic $10 tier. Get your name read at the end of the podcast like these fine folks. Alo, ye old pinball shop. John, DP4 Bongo, Sam, John, Edwin, Kathy Mack, and Vogue Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers. Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, Neil, his nerdiness, Charles, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Steven, Nomadic Terran, Molly's Delightful demeanor. Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D Laser, Nick, just another pilot, middle aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy Montana, the Gen D, really. Andrew, Gloria, my mom. Neemeister, Jay, Devon, the CFP. Neil, Spider Rogue, and Fat Tony's PJs from New York City. That wraps it up for today. We're going to actually have like a normal week next week. Not on the road. We got a week before Vegas. So we're going to do a little bit of catch up. And see if we can just pick up a little bit with Congress, a little bit with money. But we'll see. Be back for the patrons on the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday episode. Until then, this is your old pal, Justin Robert Young, saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss all Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.